Hey, and thanks for tuning in. At Northgate, we're passionate about helping people become who God purposed them to be. We hope that this message encourages and blesses you today. Stay tuned after for more ways to connect. Yeah, so we are beginning this new series called Finding God. Two things that are true about God that I want to remind you about. One is that God is invisible, and that's pretty clear. Even three-year-olds in our Sunday school class, they, they go, where is God? I can't see him when I talk to him. And so we know that, right? Uh, another thing is that God is with us. He's near. We were just singing about that. He's right here. He's right with us. But if you put those two things together, God is invisible and God is near, it's almost as though God is hiding. Like, God, where are you? Like, we can't see you, but we know you're near. And there's something in us that longs to find him. And in fact, over and over again, the scriptures tell us to do just that. Jesus, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, seek first the kingdom of heaven. In other words, make your top priority being finding God and his leadership. And not only does he invite us to find him, he promises that when we look for him, we will find him. Uh, in that same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, actually it was, a little, it was another place, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He tells us that we're supposed to seek him, and that when we seek him, we will find him. Just like that, in the book of Jeremiah, uh, God speaks to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So the invitation to seek him is still open, and the promise that we will find him still stands. And what that means is that right now, right where you are, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You can find God. But sometimes, doesn't it feel like it's hard to find God? There's times in our life when the problems are so big. The circumstances seem to, to pull us away from God and just blind us so that we can't seem to see him at all. It erodes our faith. And then it's not only the, those really bad times. It can be just the kind of the ordinary times where the busyness of life, you know, running here and there, the stuff that we're trying to get done, all of that keeps us from being able to find God. And so in this series, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about finding God in the ordinary times. We're going to talk about finding God in the difficult times. And that's going to be the next two weeks. We're going to talk about those things. Today, we're going to hit on a little bit different challenge. We're going to talk about finding God in the good times. And you might wonder, well, why are we even talking about that? Like, doesn't maybe even seem all that hard to find God in the good times. But if I'm honest with myself, the good times are actually the hardest times for me to find God. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I don't like the good times. I love it when the sun is shining and all's right with the world. I love those times. It's just that in those good times, I'm missing the problems that happen all the time in, in our regular, ordinary lives, or in those really hard times. 
Because those problems have a tendency to focus me. They pull me to need to, have to, want to seek after God. The problem with the good times, and the scripture that we're going to look at today warns us about this, the problem with the good times is that it's hard to remember to look for God at all. We forget to seek after him. The, the passage we're going to look at today is from the book of Deuteronomy. If you've got your Bible with you, open it up to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to be chapter 8, verse 6. And here Moses is reminding the Israelites about how they're supposed to live when they go into the promised land. They're going to enter this incredible place, and he's telling them, this is, this is how you're supposed to respond. Here's what it says. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The problem with good times is not that it's hard to find God in them. Actually, it's pretty easy. Evidence for God, evidence for his goodness is all around. The problem is it's hard to remember to look. We sometimes we, we don't look. In the good times, it's easy to grow proud and complacent and to think all of the blessings that we're enjoying are of our own making. It's easy to think that we've brought this all on ourselves, that we deserve it and we should always have it. It's easy to, to enjoy the gift and forget about the giver. But it's not impossible to find God in good times. It's not impossible at all. It's actually quite easy. It's something that we can do. It's something that God wants us to do and something he tells us to do. And if that wasn't enough, he also tells us that he rewards those who seek him. In, in the book of Hebrews, it says uh, in chapter 11, it says, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the question is, how do we do that? God rewards those who earnestly seek him. So how do we earnestly seek God in the good times? How do we find God in the good times? To answer that question, we're going to look back at that passage that we just read from Deuteronomy. Because there I think Moses tells the Israelites, he gives them four different answers. Uh, and they're kind of in pairs. The first two go together and the second two go together. We'll take them in order. The first answer, how do we find God in good times, in joy. 
enjoy. There was this guy who went to the doctor for his yearly physical, and the doctor said, well, everything looks all right. You're, you're okay for uh, a man of your age. <laughs> and the guy was a little offended, like, doctor, what do you mean? A man of my age. I'm only 75 years old. What, you know, what are you saying? Am I going to make it to 80? And the doctor said, well, do you drink or smoke? And the man said, no, I never do those things. The, the doctor said, all right, well, tell me about your, your diet. Do you eat fatty meats or sweets? And the man said, no, I'm really careful about what I eat. And the doctor said, okay, well, tell me about your activities. Do you ever engage in thrilling activities like, like skiing or speeding? And the man said, no, I would never do anything dangerous like that. The doctor said, well, then why do you want to live to be 80? <laughs> I realized that was a long setup for just a really little <laughs> punchline, but here's the point. Sometimes we need to enjoy what God's given us, right? It's, he gives us a gift. When somebody gives you a gift, it's, it's honoring to them to enjoy it. There's something about that. But I think for some of us, this probably isn't true for all of us, but I think for some of us, we can convince ourselves that to enjoy God's gifts is extravagant and wasteful. That if we do that, we're going to be greedy and selfish. And it's even possible to talk ourselves into a place where we, we kind of think, well, if I have to receive these gifts, at least I don't have to enjoy them. Like somehow that's like a more spiritual plane. And... I want to, I think there's a really strong case to be made for moderation. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about how it's really important to enjoy those gifts and celebrate with generosity. But the notion that we shouldn't enjoy God's gifts at all, that, that kind of idea, I think for some of us, it needs to be challenged. And here's where I'm getting that. In, in that passage we just read, after Moses is talking about how they're going to go into this incredible land with brooks and streams and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey and all this stuff. He gives them this instruction and he prefaces it by saying this, when you have eaten and are satisfied, there's an expectation that they will actually enjoy the gifts that God gives them from this land. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, that's an appropriate response. But maybe you're wondering, well, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like God's telling them they have to. It's just maybe the expectation. But, but no, actually, a little later on in Deuteronomy, God actually commands them to enjoy. <laughs> he commands them to celebrate. Did you know this? Deuteronomy chapter 14. It's, it's a really interesting passage. He's talking about um, a tithe, which means setting aside a tenth of your income. And there's actually three different tithes that he talks about. One is a tithe for the Levites, setting aside money for the people who work in the, the temple who aren't, aren't farming and raising, so you're providing for them. Another is a tithe for the poor, um, making sure they have money. And then he talks about this third tithe, saving up 10% of your money, and basically tells them to take it and go on a vacation literally to go to Jerusalem to celebrate at the festivals is what it was intended for. But I want you to listen to this. Read it right from the, the scriptures. 
Here's what he says in Deuteronomy 14, verse 25. Then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all of the tithes of that year's produce and store them in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. I think that's amazing. God commands them to celebrate. I want you to do this. Go and take this money. Buy whatever you like, whatever you want, and celebrate. He wants them to celebrate the, his goodness and the gifts that he's given. But he, sa- he says to do this in a very particular way. Do it with a heart of generosity, with a spirit of generosity. You're saving up all this money. Don't just spend it on yourself. Bring the Levites with you and bring the foreigners and the fatherless and the widows because they don't have anything. Don't, don't, and don't just like provide for them like a subsistence just a little bit so they're getting by. You spend all of this on yourself. No, bring them into the party so they can celebrate, so they can eat and be satisfied too. It's, it's like he's saying, go and take your, your neighbors who are foreigners on vacation with you. That's, that's the challenge here. That's the heart with which he wants us to celebrate. But, but why does he want them to celebrate at all? Like, why does God give them this instruction, this command? I think it's because celebration is good for us. It really is. It's good for us. To paraphrase one writer, when we celebrate well, our sorrows feel small. It kind of puts things into perspective. What we lack feels small when we celebrate. When we celebrate, it gives us this kind of strength to join God in what he's doing because we know how real the goodness of God is. God's goodness seems so real to us when we celebrate. Celebration changes our perspective. It's good for us. And we get to do that today. Actually, we get to do this every weekend when we gather. I know somebody came to church once and they, they hadn't really been to church much. They said, this is cool. It's like a free concert. Like, this is amazing. Yeah, it kind of is. We celebrate. It's a good thing. Uh, but we actually, this weekend, we get to celebrate at Lake George as well. We're going to celebrate baptisms, and there's going to be, there's going to be food, and there's going to be uh, swimming, and there's going to be games, and there's going to be volleyball, and sandcastle building, and chatting with your friends. And this is good for us. This is part of how we find God in the good times, is that we enjoy. And that, that idea, enjoy, it goes with a second one. How do we find God in the good times? We enjoy and we praise. Moses says this. Verse 10 of chapter 8, he says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. We enjoy and we praise. You know when somebody gives you a, 
a gift, like for your birthday or for Christmas or something, there's a certain amount of joy that comes when you open up the gift and you take it out and you use whatever the thing is. You know, you feel a measure of joy, right? But there's another measure of joy that comes when you express your gratitude. Because when you say thank you to somebody, you're acknowledging this thing that they, they give them, that they, they gave you that you like is a gift. You're acknowledging as a gift. And when you acknowledge as a, as a gift, you're not only receiving the thing, but you're also receiving the love that that person gave to you. That this, this is an expression of love. So you not only get the thing, but you get their love as well. And you reflect that love back to them with your appreciation. And it's kind of like there's this love bouncing back and forth between you. You receive a gift and you say, thank you. And it brings you closer together. If you don't say thank you, it doesn't, it doesn't bring you closer together in the same way. When you express your gratitude, that's what brings you closer together. And it's the same way with God. When we receive his gifts with thanks, it brings us closer to him. We're con- more connected with him. Let me give you another kind of situation that'll help us kind of understand how praise helps us to find God. Uh, Picture a bunch of students in a classroom with a teacher. When students with their teacher, um, when they honor their teacher, this if you're a teacher, you might have to stretch your imagination like a little more. Maybe you haven't always had that experience. But when students honor their teacher, They put themselves in a place to receive from that teacher all the good things that teacher has to give, the the teaching, the instruction, and those kind of things. When they don't honor the teacher, you know, when they're disrespecting the teacher, you know, and kind of elbowing their neighbor or falling asleep on their desk or whatever, they're not really in a place to receive that. Do you get what I'm saying? And the reason that when they honor their teacher, that they're in a place to receive that is they're seeing their teacher rightly. They're seeing their teacher as somebody who has something to teach them, somebody that they can learn from, somebody who's wise, who cares about them. When, when they have that attitude towards their teacher, they're in a place to receive more, and they've set their gate, they're, they're looking at the teacher. They're, they're looking toward the teacher. Now, the same thing is true with God. When we honor God, when we praise God, we put ourselves in a place to receive God's good gift because we see him rightly. We see him how he actually is. And so that's why, like, when we worship, when we sing praise songs, and we're singing about the goodness of God, we start to begin to see God and understand God more clearly, what he's actually like. And when we're doing that, do you get this? We're actually finding God. See, that's what it means to find God. When we set our eyes of our heart on him, when we're looking for him, when we're beginning to see him more clearly, that's what this looks like. This is how we find God in good times. We enjoy him. We enjoy the gifts he gives. And we thank him. We praise him. And when we do that, we find him. So enjoy and praise. The next one, next way that we find God in good times, we remember. Moses uh, continues in verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. That's the hard, th- the hard thing about good times, right? Is that it's easy to forget the Lord your God. So Moses is saying, don't do it. <laughs> Make sure you remember the Lord in the good times too. 
If you have to remember something, what do you do? How do you remember something? Write it down, yeah? I, somebody told me last night, I remember in junior high, people used to write things on their hand. And somebody said, I do that. Maybe you do that too, I don't know. What do you do to remember something? I, part of my job, I have appointments with people at different times. I go and meet people. I have this tremendous fear of standing people up at a coffee shop, right? Because I've done it, and I, I get... I'm so embarrassed when I do it. I hate that feeling. And so I'm like kind of paranoid about making sure that I'm at the meetings that I set. So because I have a tendency to forget, I take measures. I do some things to actually help myself remember. Like, for example, whenever I set an appointment, I put it in my phone right away. Because I know if I try to remember to put it in my phone later, there's a pretty good chance that I'll forget to go back and put it in my phone later. So I do it right away. And then when I put it in my phone, I, I, set a, I set a reminder so that my phone will ding an hour before my meeting. Hey, don't forget you've got this meeting. And then after I set the reminder, I set a second reminder <laughs> because <laughs> I might miss the first one. And, and then I usually give my cell phone number to the person I'm meeting with so they can text me if they have a problem or if I forget for some reason, at least they can say, hey, where are you? And, I mean, that's still bad, but at least maybe we would still be able to meet. But I do some things to make sure that I show up on time, right? With God, it's the same thing. We can, there's things that we can do, habits that we can develop that help us remember God so that we don't forget him. We call those habits spiritual disciplines, but they're simply just, just habits, Practices that are in our power to do that help us to remember him, to help us stay connected with him, to help us keep finding him, keep seeking him. I want to share a few of the, a, a few really good ones that, and there's all kinds of different habits that we could talk about, but I just want to share a few with you today that have been important to me that people have shared with me. The first one is simple. Just come to church. Come to worship. And the people who shared this with me are my parents. When I grew up, we went to church every week. It's just, that was our habit. That was our routine. In fact, I didn't know that it was possible to not go to church. I thought, this is what everybody did. I thought, this is what you had to do. And right now, I'm really grateful for that heritage because doing that week in, week out helped me connect with God. It helped me stay in, this, in a community of faith where people knew me and loved me. It helped me every week Remember to turn back to God. It's so important to do that. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another uh, on toward love and good deeds, and not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching, or something like that. You're reading it, but um, here's the thing. Uh, it says, don't neglect meeting together. There's something that's important about that. You know, um, you guys are all here, so it's kind of it's like preaching to the choir because you're here, but um, come back again and make yourself, get yourself in the habit of coming back again and again and again and again. That habit helps you. Um, I know some people are watching online, and that's good, and we're glad that you're watching online. And I know that you can, you can hear great worship online, and you can probably hear, not, not probably, I know you can hear better messages than I can think up online. But you know, one thing you can't get online, you can't get community. You can't get this. 
And there's something that's really important about us gathering together. And when we sing together out loud, when we're all here singing together, and when we pray for one another and encourage one another. So I want to encourage you to come and be connected and let people know you and be involved in relationships because that's important for us. It's, one of, it's like setting a reminder on your phone. It helps us in the good times um, not to walk away from God. I've seen people sometimes come to church in the hard times, like where they cry through messages and God speaks to them, and that's awesome. And then sometimes when things get better, they just kind of walk away because, well, they're not crying through the messages anymore, so they figure they're okay. But I encourage you, in the good times, stick with it because this is the times when you learn, and this is the times we need to remind ourselves and come back to God again and again. So here, here's another thing that, that you can do. Um, I, I read this in a book somewhere. Uh, somebody said the most important discipline that you can do to grow in your spiritual life, and they, they started the sentence out, something like that, and I was like, what is it, what is it? And I was surprised. They said, memorize scripture. It's like, huh, that's not what I was expecting. But the, the argument was this. When you memorize scripture, you start to think God's thoughts over and over again. And when you start to put that in your mind, you begin to change your thinking. When you begin to change your thinking, it changes your emotions and it changes your behavior. So one of the most helpful things you can do is to get scripture inside of you. But in order to do that, it takes effort. And the reason most people don't do that is because it's, it takes time. It takes effort. But this is one of those things that you can do that helps you stay connected with God. Because what you find is that throughout the course of your day, those scriptures that you begin to memorize come back to you when you need them. They just kind of pop up and you just think them. It's like, oh, I needed to remember the joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay, I'm not feeling very strong, but I've got joy. Okay, he's with me. You know, I will never leave you or forsake you. Okay, God, you're, you're with me even now too. You just start to remember those things. I'd encourage you too as you do this to memorize longer chunks of scripture, not just verses, but whole passages because passages have ideas in them and ideas shape our thinking. So consider that as well. Uh, a third discipline, uh, a third habit you can develop is prayer. This may be a more obvious one. At Northgate here, last summer we launched something called Northgate Praise. We set a goal of praying 50,000 hours and we're Moving toward that goal, we've got a little ways to go, so if you want to help join us, you can sign up and, and do that online. But when we announced this, we had this other, um, this, this little resource uh, along with the announcement called Northgate Praise Minute by Minute. And it's still up on our website, you can still access it. But what it does is it talks about how you can add a one-minute prayer habit um, to your day, kind of connecting it to things connecting prayer to things you already do, like brushing your teeth or driving through your neighborhood or going to bed or waking up. And there's 30 different ones. And if you do these every, every day, you start to add a new habit into your day. By the end of a month, you'll have 30 minutes of prayer. Just little reminders that you put in your day to seek God. That's how we stay connected with him. The, the last one I want to share with you is just because a little fun because it's summer and a lot of people in summer go on vacation and uh, on road trips. If you go on vacation on a road trip, here's something to think about. When you begin your driving, and even if it's just like a day trip, you're going up north, going to the lake, think about taking the first 15 or 20 minutes and just with your family or by yourself, if you're going by yourself, just worship. Just turn the worship music on and sing. And 
maybe after that, pray. And just thank God for the vacation. Thank God for the stuff that you did yesterday, the things you're going to do today, and the fact that he's with you. And that's just a way of bringing God into that vacation. So it's not just a time that you forget about God, but it's a time when you're actually intentionally connecting with him. This is how we find God in the good times. We remember. And along with remember, the last one is obey. Enjoy, praise, remember, obey. Moses uh, goes on, he says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. He's saying, be careful that you don't forget so that you don't fail to keep his laws and decrees. In other words, remember so that you can obey. The reason that we remember is so that we can obey. All the habits and things that we do, the spiritual disciplines, the purpose of those is to train us, to train, kind of to develop muscle memory in us so that obedience becomes easy and natural, so it becomes the most easy thing in the world. Sometimes we think about obedience as like, oh, that's hard. Oh, to obey, that's going to be so hard. But when Jesus talks about obedience, he, he talks about it very differently. Uh, when Jesus talks about obedience, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, when he's talking about a yoke, a yoke is like the, the bar that connect two oxen when they're plowing. It goes over the backs of their necks and it joins the two oxen together as they're plowing. So when Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon um, you, he's saying, be connected to me. Walk with me. Follow me. Obey me, right? Stay connected with me because my yoke is easy. This is actually the easy way. Plowing with me is the easy way. Obeying me and living life with me, walking with me, that's the easy way to live. Sometimes uh, the things that, that he tells us to do, sometimes we feel like, oh, that's so hard. Like forgiving people that we wrong us. And it can feel hard. Um, it feels so hard in the moment. And maybe some of you have just huge things you have to forgive. And I don't want to discount that because those really are big. But you know what's even harder? Living your life, living your whole life as a bitter and angry person is really hard. You ever seen the face of a bitter and angry person? Their life just looks hard, doesn't it? Obedience, being a forgiving person is actually way easier. And as we walk with Jesus, he helps us to forgive. He teaches us to forgive. It becomes more easy, more natural. And not only is obedience the easy way to live, but it's actually the way that we express love to God. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 14. He says, uh, it says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. In other words, um, love and obedience go together. They really go hand in hand. In fact, obedience is the way that we express love to God. And it's natural with kids and their parents. 
That's how kids express love to their parents as well, is through obedience. If you've got little kids and you tell them, don't run out into the street, and they obey you, you're really happy about that, you know? And because it's good for them, and it's good for you. And life will go well for them if they obey you. You want that. That's how you want them to act with you. Uh, that's how you want them to show their love. You know, snuggles and hugs and kisses are great, but obedience is more important. I don't know if you've ever had uh, or seen this, or if maybe you've had a toddler like this who comes on your lap and they snuggle and they give you kisses and hugs and all that. And then they slide off your lap and then they give you this little sideways glance. And then they go and do the exact thing that you've been telling them all afternoon not to do. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't work like that. It's, you can't just show love with the kisses. You have to do it with the obedience. You know what I mean? Like, that's so important. And that's part of how we show love to God. Let, let me tell, give you another example that might help connect this with the, the finding God thing. Picture uh, a, a child walking with their, their parents, uh, mom or dad, through a really... Um, crowded place, like the state fair. If kids are going to follow their parents through a place like that, that's following is kind of a picture of obedience, right? You're going where the, the, the leader is going. That's what it kind of looks like to obey. Stay with me. If kids are going to stick with their parents, what they have to do is keep their eyes on them. Notice where they're going, and they go that way too, right? When they follow like that, when they obey, I want you to notice this. The finding kind of takes care of itself. When we obey God, when our eyes are looking to him, going, God, how do you want me to live? And we live in that way, the finding takes care of itself. How do we find God in these times, in, in good times? We enjoy and praise. We remember and obey. We enjoy because God wants us to experience his goodness. And that's um, when we enjoy and we celebrate. It makes the, our sorrows small and it, makes, uh, it gives us strength because we know how good his, his goodness seems so real to us. We, uh, we praise because when you get good gifts, the way that you respond to that uh, is thanks and that helps connect us with God. When we praise him, it puts our eyes on him. That's how we find him. We start to look for him. We see him clearly when we praise him. We remember, we set those habits, like, like putting something in your phone so that you remember it. We do these habits so in the good times, we've got these little reminders, things that trigger us to look for him and seek him. And then in the course of life, we obey him. We do the things that he calls us to do. We follow him, and when we do that, the finding takes care of itself. I don't know if you're going through a good season or a bad season. If it's a bad season, if it's an ordinary season, come back the next couple weeks because we're going to be talking about that. If it's a good season, come back the next couple weeks because that's part of how we find him. But when you go into a good season, this is what we do. This is what Moses is telling the Israelites. Enjoy and praise, remember and obey. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the good seasons that we do enter. I thank you for those good times. And I pray, God, that you would give us the grace to keep seeking you 
now, that we wouldn't forget you, that we would enjoy and praise and remember and obey, even in these moments, even in the good times. God, even right now, as we, as we uh, start talking with each other after worship, as we head off to Lake George, as we go through our day, we want to set our hearts on you to help us to connect with you, help us to see you right now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, the prayer team is going to be here uh, to pray for whatever you need after the service today. Uh, yeah, please come and join us at Lake George, 1230. Bring some, bring some food, bring a lawn chair, and come and ha- have some fun with us. Um, why don't you stand up? Let me give you a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, thanks for watching. Want to let you know about two things you can do. First, follow us on Vimeo or iTunes so you don't miss a single message. Better yet, join us in person Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11. And second, if you're feeling this ministry and want to help advance the mission of helping people become who God purposed them to be, you can click the link to give. Your generosity brings hope, healing, and radical transformation to people all over the world. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.